The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hired man who is not a shepherd and whose sheep are not his own sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf catches and scatters them. This is because he works for pay and has no concern for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know mine, and mine know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I will lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. These also I must lead, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have power to lay it down, and power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. The Gospel of the Lord. This weekend, the fourth Sunday of Easter, we celebrate the Good Shepherd Sunday, reflecting, of course, upon our blessed Lord who comes to us and reveals to us that he is the Good Shepherd, the one who comes rather than the hirelings who will flee at the first sign of danger, the first time of trouble when the wolves start to come. Our Lord is the Good Shepherd who is there, able to lay down his life, willing to lay down his life. And as he tells us also, he has the power to take it up again. He is the good shepherd who is mindful of us, whose voice he desires his own sheep to know. Indeed, our Lord is a good shepherd. He is the one who comes to us to feed us with the Holy Eucharist, to protect us by the teachings of the church from the world and from the evil one, to be able to lead us by his sacraments, by his grace, ultimately to those green pastures that is eternal life in heaven. Our Lord is a tremendously good shepherd. He knows what it is also to be a sheep, as he himself is the one who took on our flesh to come to be with us, to suffer all things with us, to know all things with us except sin itself. And he himself knew consequences of sin better than we ourselves realize them even though we are the ones who do them. He knows us through and through. He understands the reality of being the sheep. As the prophets speak, and we are reminded during the Lenten season, specifically around Good Friday, he is the sheep who, when he stands before the shearers, is silent and utters not a word. He recognizes the powerlessness of a sheep, and thus the necessity of a good shepherd. And so he comes to us. He comes to lead us, ultimately, to heavenly joy. The frustrating thing sometimes, though, is that when he left, when he ascended into heaven and promised us that he would return, he didn't leave us a fully formed anything, really. The Bible was pieces and parts of the Old Testament. The New Testament hadn't been written. He left us no catechism. He left us the church in its infancy, but there was no necessary structure or uh, format of how things ought to go. 
There was no discernment of, of this is how you should proceed in the days and months ahead. He simply entrusted it to a bunch of men, humans, fallible creatures, ones who even, in, even inspired by our blessed Lord still were willing, like Peter, to simply return back to the things that they knew, the things that they were comfortable with. It was to those men that Christ left the infant church. The reality is that Christ did this, but he also does it in great love, and he entrusts us to earthly shepherds, men who strive, at least we hope, to be like the good shepherd, but sometimes fall short. Men to, who, to whom have been entrusted the three munera, the three duties of Christ, namely to be able to come and to teach, to sanctify, and to shepherd or to rule. Every one of us was baptized, and we were anointed with chrism on the crown of our heads. We were anointed priest, prophet, and king to minister uh, in our particular state in accordance with Christ. And it is the episcopacy, the bishops, uh, assisted by the priests and the deacons, who do this in a concrete and physical manner and are trusted not simply with the, the call as the faithful receive at their baptism, but indeed the duty to do these things in the church, to lead, to sanctify, to teach. When we look out at the church today, though, sometimes one can be a bit discouraged. One might look and see the shepherds sometimes are not so good and be questioning in their heart. We can be concerned because the shepherds of the church don't seem bold enough. They don't seem traditional enough. They don't seem clear enough in the teaching of upholding what Catholic tradition has held, held dear for 2,000 years, and how easy it is for the flock to begin to question the shepherds. It's a temptation that is there from the beginning. In every age, in every generation, there's the questioning of the following of the voice of earthly shepherds. All throughout the early church, we see shepherds, bishops, popes, writing to groups of people who have fallen away and begun to follow their own ideas because they were contrary to the, what, what the teaching of the church uh, in their particular office had held. They didn't agree. We see at various points of the church that we had sometimes two and three active popes, men claiming to be the Holy Father because they differed in their teachings. And people would, you know, I don't, I think you've lost your papacy. I'm going to like myself, Pope. It's the reality. And it didn't just happen in a nice self-contained way in the church. Martin Luther, Zwingli, Henry VIII, Calvin, these realities, these individuals who looked at something in the church and disagreed, who looked at the, the teachers of the church and said, you're not holy enough. There needs to be reform in the church. There needs to be renewal. There needs to be change. And so rather than actually allow the renewal of Christ to happen in the church, they made their own thing. They made their own pastors. They became their own good shepherds. But what they neglected to remember is that fidelity to our earthly shepherds in the church is fidelity to Christ. Union with our earthly shepherds is union with Christ. And when we set ourselves against them, when we separate ourselves from them, we separate ourselves from Christ. 
He gave us the church, and the church in our institution is perfect. But the church in our members, as all of us know who frequent the sacrament of reconciliation, is not perfect. A temptation again for all of us, even in our own day, to question the shepherds, to wonder within our own hearts, to be frustrated. Why don't they do this? Why don't they say that? But in all of these things, Christ is ultimately inviting all of us to a single reality, namely prayer. Because whereas so many past souls have sought to be able to change things within the church by their own power, by their own reason, by their own authority, as false and foolish as it was, they failed to recognize the power that can actually change things, namely the heart of Jesus, the grace of Jesus. Is this that we must implore? The dear brother priest of our diocese has often been known at his, uh, as he's traveled around to various other places to preach or to teach in a particular, in particular Sunday to remind the faithful, if you want a good homily, you should pray for the homilist. If you want a good shepherd, you should pray for him. There's a monitor of St. John Vianney who, when he arrived at his parish, he found that his, if you know the life of John Vianney, he, he found that his parish was not really a parish church. It was, it was, a, it was technically a church, um, but there were, no, there were no Catholics left in the town. Everybody had abandoned the faith, and the church was being used as the gathering place for the rationalistic, atheistic society of the town to hold their meetings because it was the biggest building. Imagine that your church is the meeting place for the atheists. This is where St. John Vianney arrived. And often he was found by his parishioners in the middle of the night, 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock in the morning, as they would come to church apparently too at that point. He was before the altar, kneeling before the blessed sacrament, simply crying out to the Lord, My God, my God, convert my parish. Fervent prayers of a pastor lifted up for his sheep. Indeed, all shepherds ought to emulate this reality. But also, the flock must pray similarly for the shepherd. My God, my God, convert my pastor. Convert my bishop. To pray for the conversion of souls is a wonderful and tremendous thing, a continued conversion to Christ. When we try to take it into our own hands and do our own things, we always will fall short because we listen not to the voice of the shepherd, but to our own voice, which leads us astray. But if we stay close to Christ, if we, stay, if we turn to him continually in prayer, grace will flow in abundance. Conversions of hearts take place. The shepherds become increasingly good and rejoice to lead the flock to the heaven that awaits.